to the Wise Men Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Wise Men Wrestling Podcast with your boys, Sean, Rod, and Ray. We have a new home. New home. New home, new technology. We're working with Anchor right now. Shouts to Anchor. New plug. We're going to be using them going forward. They put us everywhere and anywhere. We'll go ahead and start doing those those promos shortly. So shout out to Anchor FM. Uh, we'll, uh, you can find that both on the Apple Store and uh, the Google Store, correct for you guys, for you Android users? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is weird because I was going to say, you know what, we're uh, we're doing this live from the Anchor FM Studios, <laughs> which is basically our own respective houses. <laughs> so, so when one of us uh, doesn't, it, you know, we're not able to meet up, at least now we can go ahead and record over our phones and. Uh, this is pretty cool. This is a pretty cool option. So we'll try this out for the first time with Anchor FM. And uh, we'll go ahead and start off the show. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? I, I have the strep throat. Oh, <laughs> well, it's good that we're doing this over the phone. My son just had a strep throat for week one of summer and then week two of summer. He gets a severe ear infection, so he's starting out the summer swimmingly well, and then realizes he's probably got a month and a half left before he goes back to school. <laughs> He'd be okay. He'll be, He'll be okay. all right. He'll be all right. Awesome. As long as he doesn't have a gas, this summer is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. As long as no people aren't signing the bottom of his uh, broken foot with Andy on it, that'd be great. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Let's get to it. Let's do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) this is still good. This is fun to get used to. So, our users are going to have to uh, kind of adapt with us. So, uh, going forward, uh, one of the questions that Gerard put on the the, put it out there for us is: two hundred and ten pounds mean that you're closer to two (laughs) twenty? What? <laughs> and this this was a funny segment between uh, Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze because they were doing the bat as you, for anybody that watches the Up Up Down Down channel, they had a funny uh, go back back and forth about Xavier Woods was said that he was close to two twenty. He's like, "What are you right now?" He's like, two twelve. And they were going back and forth about rounding down. He's like, "No, I'm closer to two twenty." It's like no, too closer to two twenty would be two fifteen, two sixteen, something like that. <laughs> so, and for like, for like the 10, 15 minutes of that episode, ten of those minutes were dedicated to complaining that he should have rounded up to it. <laughs> right, I actually showed that video to a couple of people, and they were like cracking up. And I was like, I have to remind you, this is a gaming channel. Yeah, this isn't a wrestling channel. <laughs> They're supposed to play video games. <laughs> about, about five minutes in. Yeah, these are two grown ass men playing SmackDown versus Raw as the members of their respective brands, and it's just absolutely hilarious the shit that goes back and forth with these two, and the and fact they, that <laughs> they've been playing it for what last eight months. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and yeah. we're getting close to the end yeah. now because uh, WrestleMania is coming up, so it'll be fun to see if uh, as uh, Xavier Woods uh, empty the cheeks as they're getting closer and closer. <laughs> but he gained another 750 during that No Way Out pro uh, pay-per-view, which was pretty fun. And, and that's that's crazy, too, that he did, like, that meet and greet in, in the UK and somebody gave him, like, the cheat codes oh, for it. Oh, yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And then he goes out for Money in the Bank. They're recording these episodes during the Money in the Bank uh, pay per view a couple months ago, and he grabs somebody's uh, sign that says uh, hashtag ETC Empty the Cheeks. Empty the Cheeks. So he took it back and started uh, messing with Tyler Breeze, who, uh, you know what? For somebody that was sitting by the wayside, and the only time that we saw him was on Up Up Down Down, has really stood out on NXT recently too, especially with that great match that he had with uh, Roderick Strong the other night. It was really good. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Very good match. Yeah. Very good and match. And it's good to see that Tyler Breeze is being used properly. I mean, I don't even know if when he was a part of the fashion police, if they were actually being used properly, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, we move on. Uh, Seth Rollins made some interesting comments to Sports Illustrated. Well, let, let's 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 preface everything by because I I actually wanted to have a, a audio recording, but I wasn't able to get it done. Okay. Um, the bulk of today's episode is going to be about factions. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rise and fall of of um wrestling faction. It is actually appropriate. For us to- yeah. So discussing we'll, discussing the factions. So. Because um, it's the anniversary of the birth of the NWO. Yeah, and back to the beach. <laughs> yeah, we've seen we've seen the videos all over Instagram and social media of the throwbacks of Hulk Hogan running out and uh, betraying the WCW, starting mm-hmm. a new world order, which is it's pretty cool to see those uh, that era come back. You know, when he appropriately when it's not we're not calling for it every single. Monday night, no. wishing for those days again. But no, I mean, no, no. it's 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 exactly what it is—a nostalgic moment, and it's pretty cool to see when 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 all that uh, started off. But, Indeed, <laughs> but we're here because not because of the great moment of the, the NWO, but the absolute decline of what factions are. Yeah, faction. Hello. Yeah. Time out. Flo, you guys are not hearing me. <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're gonna have these little nuances, um, people. So just bear with us. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think like, the, like when my when my screen goes blank, do you guys not hear me? Because I'll be saying like paragraphs. No, we can, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> Completely fine. Okay. Our listeners can hear you too. So. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're, we're working it yeah. out and. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like I said, well, this is a new avenue for us. We're uh, new territory with Anchor, so we'll uh, continue to work out the bugs, and then we're gonna be a fully, you know, f- going forward fully with these guys. So, uh, but as you were saying with the the factions, uh, we don't see it very often. I mean, what we've had to see out of anything, we've seen more nostalgic moments, well, like with the. Holiday. I want to back up for a sure. second because I'm, I I want um. What I was trying to say was that that NWO thing that happened 23 years ago uh, was kind of kind of a key pinnacle moment. This is where, for me, it just kind of goes into the theme of our podcast in general, 
about this conversation about wrestling and how it's kind of crossing over to the mainstream again. Mm-hmm. And go back to think about, well, when did this, when did they cross into the mainstream before? And for me, this is the tipping point. Okay. When the NWO started. And this is one of those things where, where were you at? What were you doing when this happened? What, what, what was going on in life when the NWO formed and Hulk Hogan, you know, said turn and became a bad guy for the first time in your life. So I just kind of want to discuss that, and we had to we had to deal with him bleaching his his goatee too. So that's that's a whole separate <laughs> conversation. But <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, it, it, it was that was a fun time, especially with the NWO and stuff. That was that was in that was in '96. Yeah, mm-hmm. 90s, damn '96. I was a freshman in high school. Right. <laughs> I think I think at that point was when. Uh, towards the end of the NWO faction, uh, when that started, you know, to go its separate ways, that's kind of when I started going my separate way from wrestling. Right. So it was like, yeah, towards the late '90s, that's when I stopped kind of watching him. I just, I just remember for me, because it happened in the summer, mm-hmm. and then school starts in the fall. I was going to school in the summer, so for us, it started like the middle of August. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Like a whole bunch of people who were not even into wrestling and are like girls, you know what I'm saying? Where what's this NWO thing? What's this black and white thing? And people were wearing t-shirts and like all of a sudden it was mainstream. Like it was mainstream, definitely yeah, mainstream. It, it became like this mainstream thing. I want I want to say that the NWO discussions probably continued all the way up, all the way up until like Pop died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we sifted, and that was like a weird day at school as well. So, I had a unique perspective on the birth of the NWO, where mm-hmm. back during this time I was watching um, WCW and Monday Night. I was watching both. Okay. But I wasn't watching pay-per-views because I was a poor kid from Chicago. <laughs> Shit, I had, the, I had the black box. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. I didn't pay for no damn pay-per-views. <laughs> so, I... Um, you know, went to school the next day. I didn't. I was, it wasn't in school. I was on the court, and people were talking about it at the park, and I thought people were bullshit. And I was like, you know, <coughs> you know, especially when they brought no like way. the the word NWO. I'm like, okay, so the Illuminati took over. Okay, <laughs> then, you know, I watched Nitro that night, and sure enough, I'm like. Oh hell no! What the hell is going on? <laughs> so I kind of had to re. I had an outside of you, but in you know I was watching it, but I didn't watch that moment. Right. So where are we at? NWO thing on you know saying on TV. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was like, oh, they're, they're kind of pulling out. They're kind of playing off of this whole political thing. Mm-hmm. I've always argued with people that I don't get into politics. I watch professional wrestling because it's pretty much the same thing. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on which side of the aisle that you sit on. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so this is another thing where they, 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 they he picked the right thing. He picked the right word, you know, saying to put into the situation to kind of make it pretty big because mm-hmm. you know i said all the conspiracy theories just were coming out like oh my god the nwo like 
it's, it's taking over everything. It's taking over mainstream media. You got to understand that at that time, you know, saying those WCW Monday Night Night Show numbers were insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to today's television. So, like, the reach was just, it was amazing. I mean, and I remember that next Nitro just being different. You know, kind of like how we just, yeah. you know, freelance being different for their fifth anniversary. The feel of that Nitro was just insane. Like, everybody was, you know, the announcers were on another level. You know, the crowd was on another level. You know, it was just a, it was like a switch that was flipped. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, WWF at the time had no answer for it. It was just like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> it took everybody, like, off guard, mm-hmm. you know? And he just had this aura, like you just you never knew when it was going to show up. You never knew what was going to happen. You never knew who the newest member of the NWO was going to be. It was just it was it was compelling television. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and for, and for it to cross over for those average fans, and you see it all over, like the Tonight Show and stuff like that. And then, you know when you're making news headlines, it's okay. We've done something, which is which is kind of attributes to what Sean was talking about when they had to go ahead and up their game. It's like, all right, now expectations have been raised. You know, let's, we got, now we got to meet them. And it was a different, it was a different vibe for a while. It was a, it was a good vibe. It was, it was a good vibe because it was, it was, those, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days when everybody when, when you're When you're, a, when you're a nerd about something and, you know, something happens in the mainstream that kind of ties your nerd them into like everybody else. And now you have something to talk about with like, you know, saying regular people, like, that's always an amazing thing, especially when you're in high school <laughs> and everybody's kind of like doing their own thing. But like that, that one thing happens that kind of brings everybody together. Like and we talked, that was another thing I noticed. we talked about it to like a lesser extent when, I mean, shit, suck it became a, a common phrase amongst everybody. It didn't matter what, yeah, that's it didn't it. matter what major sport it was or what, what type of click you were in. That was the universal sign for, you know, get up off of me. <laughs> Here's mm-hmm. suck it. And, I, I'm, and I'm thinking that you know that was kind of going on around the same time, or maybe a little bit after the NWO four. But for sure, it's it's the, it's, the, it's the direct response to trying to compete with WCW and what they were doing. Um, that kind of created you know all these different things, and you know as far as like your Stone Cold's and your you know all of that, but also you know the factions. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> this is when the factions started. <laughs> Was that yeah? It was right afterwards, right? Because then that's when you started seeing all these groups putting together, like. Um, I don't know about that. You had before NWO. You had the Horsemen. You yeah. had the Heart Nation. Wasn't mm-hmm. a faction in disregard in the sense of you didn't know who was going to be, you know, change, you know, come cross over or whatever. So I think they definitely changed that dynamic. Okay. And I think they changed the dynamic for wrestling in general, where it became, oh, my God, what's going to happen next week type of thing. Because the right. during that time always ended on some kind of cliffhanger. You know, either somebody was about to betray or could betray or there was some kind of distress or just something in general where, you know, it would go off and you'd be like, oh, crap, what's going to happen next week? And you had to watch it next week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or even worse, once the Monday Night War started really taking off, now you're flicking back and forth between both channels 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's going on here? What's going on there? Wait, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely good stuff. It was compelling TV. It was story writing at its finest. And then there's another layer to it. Uh, you know, basically the NWO being a gang and you know three kids from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> You know a lot about that. Oh, yeah. Every neighborhood had their own faction. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't black and white. Sure. It, was definitely, it was definitely a little bit of this, a little bit of that everywhere. So Yeah. <laughs> but if if anything, we can always sit there. If anybody saw the NWO t-shirt or some type of saying that uh, Hulk Hogan or any of the other guys dropped on a Monday night, it was like, it was a free pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from here, um, you know, so we talk about the history of the faction. So <clears throat> the NWO, for you know, the listeners who don't really know too much about it, uh, was actually the brainchild of Eric Bischoff, who saw something in Japan that's that that sparked this idea for the NWO. And you want to talk about another place where you know, say factions really worked out. <laughs> Definitely New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Oh. I, mean, I mean, that that has heightened up over the last, I would say, five or six years. As it relates mm-hmm. to, you know, factions really picking up steam um, in Japan. I mean, it's always kind of been there. There's always been, you know, factions of some sort, but, you know, once, once Prince Devitt turned his hand into a gun, things changed. <laughs> yeah, he set the collective world on fire. But what happened? Where, where, where did where did factions start to go wrong? At least from a U.S. standpoint, that's my question. Uh. I would have to, you know, speaking from a casual fan, it's like once the writing started getting bad and it became more of a comedic thing than more so than actual dynamic storytelling, that's when you started to lose interest. And like, I know at one point, like, especially like with a group like the the Brood, when they came out with Gangrel and those guys, that was cool for that time because what did we see come out at that time? We saw that movie uh, Blade. Blade premiered, didn't it? Around mm-hmm. that time, and that, yeah. that yeah, that's when everybody moved off from that type of genre. Then it wasn't something that was sustainable. So they no, were just. It huh? was when King Grail opened his mouth. Oh, that, that, well, that too. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. most of if you if you noticed it once, it's and I think it was they hit a home run with the NWO it set the tone going forward. But then because they were trying to link people like myself in there, they tried to uh, adapt to pop culture. And then once, but they didn't realize how quickly these fads were going in and out. So it didn't make any, it it wasn't a sustainable, sustainable format for these, some of these groups. So then you're sitting there and now, and you know, I, I think they had much more success edge and Christian when they were separated, but it's, when you see like little throwbacks, like when the New Day did the throwback for Halloween, it was like, ah, oh, that was a cool time. But you couldn't remember anything else out there. And like, like you just made, you know, like mention of, it's like <laughs> probably Gangrel messed it up when he opened his mouth. 
It completely. <laughs> and, well, for me, I think like the factions start to go bad when the level of commitment to to the actual faction starts to deteriorate, and you want to start doing these storylines between the actual members inside of the faction. Um, okay. Because I even even like you know some of the some of the better ones like Evolution, for example. Um, in my opinion, Evolution was a dope stable. It was. And there, there really wasn't anything that could kind of touch them. It was only when they decided to start, you know, writing conflict between the different members of of Evolution that, you know, that kind of went away. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so they brought themselves to a point where they couldn't come back. They, I mean, it was nice when they brought it back, you know, saying against the Shield. That was that was pretty dope. Um, but it's like I don't know if somewhere between like the original plan is we were just kind of using this faction to get this guy over that guy over and then you know say we don't need it anymore or you know they just kind of get bored with it as we as we know the wwe likes to get bored with things pretty easily we've complained about the lack of commitment when it comes to creative it's like okay here's a cool story one day and then here's six weeks of shit Uh it's never consistency just if even if we look at like arguably like one of the best factions that the wwe's ever produced the shield right we can all, I think we may all be able to agree that although we knew a breakup in the shell was coming, they probably pulled the trigger on it maybe a year too soon. <laughs> yeah. Just for the simple fact that they wanted to kind of make Roman Reigns the next John Cena. And But they, they were forcing that down everyone's collective throat for a couple of years until a point where... Right. I mean, the like literally. I mean, we've met, we've had this conversation. The only pop that Roman Reigns has had is when he finally came out and said that his leukemia was in remission, and that's after you know beating the Undertaker streak and et cetera, et cetera. All this stuff. It's like they tried different avenues to put this guy over, but nobody was having it. And, yeah, I'm not sure if they could have waited. To break up the shield because I kind of feel like after they beat Evolution, mm-hmm. there was nothing else to be done with the shield in its current form. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only other thing they could have done is either added a member or something to that effect. And I think that's when then these factions start to die. Is when they become, you know, there's no, nothing else. There's not nothing else to this. No other story to tell. And that's why you know factions in my opinion have started to die because you know a lot of these factions or groups or you know we can debate you know we'll debate a little later on that um their stories long run out because they stay the same group for such a long period of time that's why you know the modern nwo bullet club at least up until i would say about a year ago was as popular as it was because of how fresh they kept it with new people. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, these other, you know, you know, factions they came along. You know, I mean, when you had NWO and then DX, DX had the same formula, where it was, you know, yeah, we had certain people, but certain people got kicked out and brought in throughout the process as well, and other factions mm-hmm. that had come along and come and gone they didn't have that formula. They either stayed the same and got stale or they just weren't good enough to stay long enough to, to keep up. Kind of like the Wyatt family would probably be the best example of that. Okay. Where, 
you know, they stayed together a long time, but the story never changed. You know, it, it just kind of stayed in its place. And it was mainly because of where they were positioning Bray. Bray was never positioned, you know, anywhere but where he was because they couldn't figure out how to write a story about a guy who was a cult leader. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, they, they messed it all up. You know, they messed it all up when, you know, Braun Strowman became better than they thought he would be. And then they threw the belt on Bray. And it just didn't make the whole concept didn't make sense after that point. Um, but like chaos in, you know, New Japan, they're similar in that regard where, you know, people come in, come out, you know, and, and do their thing. So it kind of stays fresh. But, you know, when it comes to the state, there's no. There's no, um, I don't know. There, there's not a faction right now that I would even call a faction. Okay. Yeah, there, um, there's no. Um, so so, so what, what, what would be the purpose of a good faction, both, both in storyline and out of storyline? I would say to both for almost the same reason. You're bringing a collection of guys together who are, you know, <laughs> you know, either you you know you, your heel faction that you know a collection of guys that want to you know take over some shit you know that's usually what they do, or you get you know, and that usually results in a rival, you know, babyface faction who is trying to stop that heel faction. They, they, I would say that they've been trying to do that, but they're unofficially, you know what I'm saying? Especially lately with WWE putting the same three guys together when it's Lashley, some form of Lashley and McIntyre. And, you know, they're slowly trying to do something like that, but not totally, you know, they're not willing to commit to that type of faction. But they don't have a collective, they don't have a collective mission. Like, I'll give, mm -hmm. you know, Undisputed Era, you know, at least right now. You know the closest thing to you know their real faction because they have they've made a statement like we're going to get all the belts. That's mm -hmm. our statement. Yeah. You know that's our mission. They're gold. They're going to all us. hold gold in 2019. Right. <clears throat> you know at least that's a mission. I mean Bobby Lashley and these guys they just seem to be, you know, kind of like that League of Nations shit that went on like a few years ago. It's like they're just you you can it's it's right in front of your face. There are a bunch of guys that. You know, WWE can't figure out what to do with creatively, so they throw them together. Yeah. And um, we've seen that. It's just lazy writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think the, the true the true benefit of a faction, both on screen and off screen, is to basically get people over and sell merchandise. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Period. Point blank. And I feel like, you know, so the more, the more successful factions have been able to do that, and the less successful factions, you know, those are the ones that get that are given up on real quick. Um, just real quick on a hot take though, um, where do you where would you rank Aces and Eights? I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't. I mean, it, it, because <laughs> it did nothing for anybody that was involved with it at all, except for Bully Ray. <laughs> And I argue, I mean, it barely did something for him. Mm -hmm. You know, it. it's like, A, anybody who watched the whole thing, unfortunately, I did. 
you saw that coming from an absolute mile away. And that's the main problem of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that were involved in the eights and the eights, when they were revealed, you were like, really, Doug? <laughs> there was never there was never a time that a reveal came out and you were like, oh crap, it's him. You know, that it was like, you know, first it was, you know, Luke Gallows and then Bischoff's son and what's Briscoe's son and you know I forgot, I forgot Bischoff's son wrestled. You know, um Devon, you know, it was a bunch of guys that were like not even C level wrestlers. You know, and it, it just never got to a point where you, you know, only point they where it almost peaked, you know, and almost had something going, but they didn't, they just didn't last long. But it was with AJ when they brought AJ involved. <laughs> and, you know, if they would have kept that, would he, is he going to join or is he not going to join for a while? You know, kind of like the Sting thing, and and that's what and that's the thing that pissed you off about watching it. It was like, literally every every major moment from an NWO standpoint, they tried to copy it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, they did. You know, and you were okay with, you know, the 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 AJ tweener badass because it was a different side of styles you hadn't seen before, and you know you were excited about that. But there literally wasn't a person within the Aces and Aids that you were like, oh, man, I'm pissed off he's over there. So it, it was just no one bought an Aces and Aids T-shirt. <laughs> it was like, it was like, I can't even remember what it looked like. Um, the only thing you reminded, you, you reminded me that Eric Bischoff's son wrestled. Yeah. And that not, not only did he wrestle, but like the logo for his name was the actual logo from the Bischoff cookies that they sell at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. But like, <laughs> and if you think about TNA during that time, and this is what makes it so, like it made it as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. Almost none of the top wrestlers in the organization were a part of that storyline. No, they weren't. Yeah, and then that's, just, that's what sucked the life out of it. It was like, so what do you mean? I mean, Kurt Angle's in the back. Doesn't he care about this? Um, Sting's hanging out back there. Doesn't he care about this? Like um, <laughs> Samoa Joe's hanging Sting out back played. there. Doesn't he care about this? Like, yo, what's going on here? <laughs> Sting's like, oh man, I've, I've been here, done this already. Right. <laughs> so it was is it was just disappointing in it. I mean, yeah, they were a faction, and I I'm sure you know. TNA's proud of it because they did they get a they got a little bump in their ratings during that time, you know, because of the what's gonna happen next angle. But the payoff was just so bad. It was just like uh and then it depended on Brooke Hogan's acting, which was horrible. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was just yeah, that was an awful, awful time. And I'm I'm pissed that you actually reminded me of it. Thanks. <laughs> Gotta 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 take the deal with the bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, twenty three years later, and today we're talking about a game of a game of factions and probably the death of factions, and a few blaring examples of why factions are just not working anymore. We can start with arguably one of the best WWE factions, the Shield, and how they are just so broken right now. 
so butthurt. <laughs> I don't think it's, because I don't know. I I don't think any of them are really butthurt to be honest. Because I know oh, I, I know you're referring to Seth's comments. And I don't know, man. I don't trust anything that comes out of a WWE social media account. Yeah. It's too much, too much drinking the company's Kool-Aid and trying to be, since you're unquestionably right now the face of the, the face of the brand, you're going to have to do something. And I'm pretty sure there's pressure that's leaned on these uh, superstars, such as Seth and, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's like these guys were legitimate friends, too, with uh, with Seth, Roman, and uh, Mock. We'll refer to him, not his formerly known as uh, Dean Ambrose. But But that's the thing, too. If if you have to kind of go back and actually listen to this interview he did, because it was a podcast that they transcribed into an article. So when you read it, it's kind of like, it kind of reads like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, you know, we've seen Roman do this before. We've seen John Cena do this before. But then if you listen to it, especially like the first part where he's actually talking about Dean Ambrose and like these these things that they, he's kind of alluded to, like, oh, well, if you can hack it, then, you know, if you did everything you were supposed to do or did everything that you could and you still want to complain, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm calling butthurt on this one. Okay. okay. For sure. <laughs> Especially with self. Just just with self. He comes off as... Right, you know. I mean, Seth's an emotional dude. I mean, he, he's the one that always seems to break down... <laughs> he broke down when you know, you know Roman had his announcements. You know, yeah. he was, you know he broke down during the last matches of the Shield. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I can see where you go. I just, I don't believe it personally. You know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I don't. I, you gotta, for me, you have to take two things into what account with anything. You know, you gotta take what's being told to you and you also got to factor in like another fact that kind of corroborates with you know saying what you're being told so i I respect like i understand self-position being a top guy in the company and you know a certain way that you have to speak especially when you're doing these interviews right because it's not like you know saying you can do these interviews often you know and with anybody of course of course we know this is an alley-oop anytime like you know wwe feeds you know, say these guys' stories. So we already know that this podcast is an alley This is the top guy in the company. He's holding the, you know, so the biggest title, you know, so he's the face. So this is an alley But then um, you also look at the fact that Seth now is in the worst position than John Cena was when he was a WWE champion doing what they argued the worst era in WWE. Mm-hmm. This era is way worse <laughs> than what it was. You're absolutely right on that. So, so you look at this from a human perspective. You know, you have you're in this position. You know, so you just want to do a good job. You want people to like the product. You look. You're going out there every day. You're performing to empty seats. <laughs> you're hearing about these ratings. You know, saying huh. you just want to fall back to your friends, so you just want to fall back to your girl. You know what I'm saying? One of your friends was sick for a while, now he's back, the other guy he left. 
because he wasn't happy. You don't understand. It's just so many things that is going on. But then you, but you know, it's still showtime every day of your life. <laughs> I think he's cracking under pressure. That's that's what I did. That's what I really think it is. Oh, okay. The, the B Slayer. And then if he's if he's a guy on the up and up, and you know he's not doing anything to kind of compensate for you know certain things, you know, I mean, it's just, this is really just raw emotion, you know, that he's working with. I don't, I don't take that guy as somebody who knows what he's supposed to say all the time. In this interview, yeah, I feel like he says some things that he he would want to take back. Okay. Okay. Well, is that is that why you feel like he bitched out? It will offspring. <laughs> no, that's, that's that could be one of those out. things. No, he that, that could, yeah, but that he could be out. one of those things where I okay, put it like this: you know, Becky's never apologized. Yeah, but that that might not. We do we trust that that's actually Becky? I don't care. Even if it is on your account, Becky's never apologized. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I can. There's there's a twofold thing to with him. Have the Usos apologized? <laughs> I'm just saying. Have the revival apologized? No, they re-upped. They took the. That's money. what I'm saying. Like these are people that you know have shouted across the lines. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the only one that's that's apologized. I was like, "What you got to apologize for? Whatever." (laughs) Still proves my point. You know what? (laughs) I equate it to the same way, um, like these candidates for president. You're sitting here and bashing the current administration, which we won't recognize because it's absolute shit. Okay. You spend you spend all of this energy talking shit about the competitor, and not bringing to light to the the issues, the conversation that you're having about your particular product. Seth Rollins made the comment that they have the best wrestling on the planet. While that may be true, we know that they have the worst creative team. So what good is talent if you don't have, you know, something to back it up with? Mm-hmm. But to sit there and shit on people like Will Ospreay and other brands and stuff like that, and then he brought in the account. You know what? Wrestling doesn't need that right now. They don't need. I mean, that's 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 why that's why I draw the line too. Yeah, I I think I think that's where he overstepped himself and he caught himself. It's like, okay, we don't. And he, to his credit, he he apologized, whether he bitched out or not. It's a matter of perspective, but obviously, Sean already stamped it that he bitched out. Um, well, I mean, it's to me, it's different than like the revival. Is that the, the revivals are heels right now? Yeah, and they're talking about you know the money that they're making and. You know, saying they're getting massages and things like that. So that's part of their character. That ain't never been a part of of Seth's babyface character. Yeah, he's never been like that, and it's it was just so weird. He, was, he, was, he wasn't kayfabe on Twitter. <laughs> that, that, he, the Twitter he, fingers got loose. <laughs> yeah, got, got a little bit loose, and he ended up saying something he shouldn't have said. And and rightfully, and rightfully so, the wrestling uh, the wrestling community dragged him through the mud for that. There's no there's no yeah. place for it. This is a time where it's not. It's not this, it's not this brand versus that brand. It's just more of a choice, more of an opportunity, more, more attention to the wrestling brand as it is as a whole. 
for New Japan, for AEW, for for the the indie brands. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan because you have so many successful companies outside of uh, <clears throat> Ring of Honor. Uh, but <laughs> you, you, you're starting to see more attention to these groups. I mean, with we see with the chair shot, that was perfect. Because why? Because it had you talking about it for a week. They know what they're doing over there. They're not dummies. But when you sit there and you want to slander the other brand and, oh, you can, there's no place for that shit right now. Maybe in that era where we saw the Suck It era or NWO because it would have played back then, sure, maybe. But now it's, no, this is healthy competition and it's going to breed a better product for everyone involved. And, and, and considering the fact that we're sitting here doing a podcast, I mean, like we, we you know, there are, there are industries that are being created based upon what's happening in the wrestling world right now. And, you know, saying so we're not, we're not dumb. <clears throat> we know the difference between kayfabe and, and butthurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and it only, it only pisses us off when, you know, somebody from like self's position, you know, say if he was kind of direct that to the fans and, you know, so we'd be telling us to like, you know, oh, these guys just shut up and just be fans. Yeah. Like, no, we're not, you know, that's just never cool either because we're not stupid. And of course, we're also responding appropriately you know, saying that kind of attitude because, you know, we're not buying those tickets in that merch anymore. <laughs> Damn right. They were, they just started, uh, Solomonster just announced that they were putting two for one ticket sales for Philly. In, in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, in Philadelphia. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not selling the way that they think they used to, you know, it, there's competition now. You so, need to step your shit up. Well, I say, you know, me, say, let, talk, talk your shit. Well, let me, let me break in for one thing when it comes to this competition thing. Uh-huh. Competition has nothing to do with their their lack of selling out. Oh no! Right now, yeah. Their competition, AEW, New Japan, have nothing to do with the fact they only filled half of arena for stopping grounds and are doing two for one extreme rules. Why? Because neither one, neither pay per view is in direct competition with anybody else right now. I mean, this is Philly we're talking about when it comes to extreme rules. Yeah. Like that that's like, you know, if you told me they couldn't sell out, you know, all state arena here here in the Chicago area, I that would raise an eyebrow for me. Like what? Like they can't sell out in Philly. That's something you have serious fucking meetings about, like on your end. And that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with competition. Because it's not like there's you know, if there was another place for that, somebody to spend that money that they're not spending on those tickets, and I'd understand. But there really isn't anywhere to spend that money right now. No, there's nothing no. going on. Because AEW's not traveling around. You know, the pay-per-views are so spaced out, you know, as it relates to other brands, that it's not like someone has a choice, like, I'm going to Extreme Rules, or I'm going to fight and it'll fall in. Like, that's just, one's in, they're in two separate places, two separate markets. It doesn't make sense from that standpoint when it comes to competition. It's just the fact that the wrestling audience in general has turned its back on a WWE. It's a, kind of, it's a higher degree of accountability now that social media, we're living in that era. There are, I mean, we've seen, we've, this conversation WWE's popularity, as far as with the ratings, with the, the pay-per-views, it's been in decline since WrestleMania. 
we've seen it. It there's and that's why we get all these these crazy stories that are coming out. First, there's leaked emails advertising Paul Heyman for Raw and and Eric Bischoff for SmackDown that were supposed to go out. It's like who is that for? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, we, if, if, if we're the ones that's just supposed to just shut up and just enjoy it because we're grown and, you know, saying we shouldn't have a say about it because it's, this product is for kids. Like, who is that supposed to appease? Now we're hearing these rumors that they're they're scaling away from the PG era and they're moving on to something something more uh, more teenage now. Well, I mean, I've always thought they, they should have been able to swear and do something, not something, you know, gross or anything like that, but I mean, mm-hmm. let's, let, you're on fucking cable for God's sakes. They say more cuss words on that sh- on that USA show suits than they do on the WWE. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which low key is a dope ass show, by the way. But we'll, we'll, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's I I don't know who that was for. I think it was more so. It's like a, you know, it's like a smoke, a smoke screen. You put, you put Paul yeah. Heyman's name in it. You put Eric Bischoff because it's, it's fodder for us to sit there and have these conversations. And now we're hooked to see what's going on. And then when you see that SmackDown was shitty and you sit there and say, oh, well, Eric Bischoff, he missed his flight. So they're going to bring him in towards the end of the month. It's like, okay, fuck you. That, there was no, this was just for, to grab the same way that they, Put the, the McMahon family returns to Monday Night Raw on Monday. It's just a, a, an attention grabber for a few minutes, and unfortunately, with the social media and how everything gets leaked these days, you, you, you almost have to keep the shit quiet <laughs> so it doesn't mm-hmm. spoil it. Because if I'm going to read it in you know Wrestling News or something before Bleacher Report shows a uh, you know a leaked article, I'm probably going to read the article before I commit three hours of my night on a Monday night to watch wrestling. Yeah. And then I'll just watch the, the, you know, I'll watch somebody's Instagram story later on from, you know, several of the podcasts that broadcast, you know, that we kind of follow and, you know, keep in touch with. I, I'll watch their highlights before I sit there and commit three hours. I mean, it's the attention span of the natural person. We see it progressing with uh, sports like baseball and how to make the game faster in a game that nobody ever really complained about before because it was, in the mm-hmm. middle of summer, you were out, you were drinking, you were having a good time with your family, and now it's how can we get this game done in about two hours and a half so we can get everybody home? It's and charge people the same ticket prices. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> if I could take it, it's not cheap to go to a baseball game, you see. But at the same time, it's like how many people are actually watching it at home from you know the first to the ninth inning. It's kind of the same thing. It they're gonna need more than just a name to put it out there. Although they did. I thought this raw episode I we you know I did actually watch it it wasn't bad it wasn't horrible but it was it was like okay okay let's see it, what you can it, it kind of it, it kind of got generally received well you know sorry across everybody who watched yeah but the one thing that killed me was <clears throat> you have this great opening segment with which we wouldn't have been saying over the past couple of months with Braun and uh, Bobby you have the shock reaction from Corey Graves. You have the different camera angle that that was perfect. The way they left that camera on with no audio, no commentary. You just watching, you know, the aftermath of the thing. But then you run mm-hmm. 20 minutes of the same shit in slow motion of the same angle talking about, 
you know, it's like, come on, you just killed the momentum that you had on that segment. You're going to sit there and like, it's, uh, it almost became like an immemorial type of segment. It's like, (laughs) just, okay, we got the shock value. Keep going. Keep it going. What else do you got for us? What else do you got for us? And the rest of the show wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. I mean, you, you, there are a couple of things that you can obviously do without, but it ended on a high note. It definitely ended on a high note. So, so far, it seems to be working. I, I, For, I, think, I don't know. I think I would have re- done that entire episode in reverse. Okay. With, and I with think the, it would have had a better impact. It would have left us with that cliffhanger that we just alluded to from, the, like, the late 90s when they were, right. you know, with the NWO. I mean, yeah, it would be better. It would have been better that way. C- can you imagine the traffic they would have gotten during the third hour? instead of the first 20 minutes of raw and then everything kind of just like, you know, it starts to plateau. And as you usually, I would have much rather have seen the, that explosion at the end of the show. Right. And then, and then we're talking about, we're instead of talking about factions, we're talking about pyrotechnics <laughs> and, and what, did, what, did they use, what did they use to protect Braun and Bobby from all those fireworks going off? <laughs> right. Because I mean, the AJ heel turn was, you know, telegraphed probably a good mile away. So, I mean, trying to make that your, your steener at the end, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm feeling that too much. Do we think that they did this? Because reports, they, they finally re-upped Gallows and Anderson. They made it public that they re-upped. Do you think that this was a part of the terms, that they can have some – to put nope. the club back together? No? No, I think this is another shot of AEW and Elite. Okay. I, I, I really, I mean, I'm sure that played a hand in Ando, Anderson and Gallows resigning, you know, okay. from a personal standpoint, because they'll get more time on TV. They get to play with AJ, you know, that good stuff. But WWE bringing it back just feels like a shot towards um, uh, the Elite. Yeah. Delete the bullet club. It just feels. I did. It, it I feels did love like a the, shot. I did love the comment about how you got. How you not going to even have the guy that who started it all <laughs> a part but, of I this mean, whole thing? That's that's real though. I mean, first but, of all, you're yeah. acting like AJ was the original leader, which he wasn't. He wasn't even leader that damn long. Like he was leader for like one year. Um, and yes, AJ being the leader kind of put them in a different plane when it came to the Bullet Club. Okay. But to completely ignore, you know, Prince Devin or Finn's role in the whole scenario, it's just... And again, the way they brought it about, it just... It was, My, it was the, predictable. The, the inner fan in me is hoping that this would make sense now to go ahead and include Phil and Balor because then you would, you would appease to those fans that wanted to see it, that saw that comment on Twitter, you would appease them and you would make some kind of fucking sense of this bullshit ass wildcard route. The thing. Now you can have them going back between the shows doing their thing. Then you'd have a legitimate conversation of, okay, are we starting to see a, a different type of faction? Are we starting to see something? actually progress in WD or is this just a one and done where we're going to see them in fighting, you know, fighting within themselves within a couple of weeks and then 
we're we're on to the next uh, cup of tea. I would be happy if from this we get more uh, Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. Mm. I'd be okay with that. I, I would well, like to see this be bigger than that, to be honest. Okay. You know, kind of, you know, in the lines of what you just talked about, you know, kind of have that feel again where, like, you know, and, and yes, you, you're repeating history, but damn, you got to do something where, you know, we got to we got to be able to not trust what we see on TV or not feel like we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. I you could, know, I, um, I couldn't have said that better myself. Man. You know, uh, you know, and, and that they have an opportunity with this. You know, they could carry this club over to both brands without necessarily having the same people be on both sides. Right. You know, um, you know, and then, you know, when a pay-per-view happens, they all get together for one big whatever. But, you know, they haven't they, they know they have an opportunity here. I don't think they have how I say this. I don't think they have because it's all been done before, you know, you have to be very careful with it. You know, it's been done before, to, you know, by the NWO, done badly again by aces and eights. And then, you know, the Bullet Club comes about and does it a different way. Okay. Uh, and WWE cannot do it either of those three ways. A, because they don't, we don't live in 1996 where you don't have any information for a full week leading up to an event. Right. Um, so some of your surprise is out the window there um you just can't do it as badly <laughs> you can basically learn from whatever aces and eights did and not use all your b players to create this this group but then again that 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 in itself is a bit preaching a bit of blind faith that you would trust that the creative has an actual plan for this that they would learn from their mistakes take what was good take what was bad and just go from there but yeah it just um I don't know. I, I think. Well, here's my question. Here's my question, and we'll go to break. Um, would you settle for the club with Finn Balor versus um, Undisputed Era at um, in November? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that would. I mean, that would just drive me insane because for somebody that didn't see the inception no. of of Bullet Club and stuff like that. That's gonna draw the casual fan in because now they're, but that what's, but that's a that's like now that I'm talking about it, that's a two edged sword because now you're gonna sit there, now you're gonna give yeah. the older matches, the New Japan matches, more attention because now you're gonna see what they did back then, and what they did back over there overseas to see if it's actually yeah. gonna work over here. And, and that's why I chose the word settle. Yeah, um, this is we're not gonna get what we really want out of this situation, and we know this. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want to see the club versus um, Undisputed because you have to bury one to do so. And uh, the obvious answer is to bury the club. Yeah. Um, and they're too similar in factions. You know, the cool bad guy faction, you know, that would be a problem for me. Um yeah, I, I, that's just not something I'd want to see. And frankly, I'm, I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more I don't want to see this club in its club form. I'd like to see it in another way. I'd rather see a Bray Wyatt, you know, kind of faction where he, like, 
so slowly assimilates people into his damn ways. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't we see that already this, too? This, this, this kind of goes back and forth in terms of the question that you asked a long time ago in terms of story versus wrestling. Yeah. yeah. And this and it sounds like you guys are looking for more of a, a long term story out of this. And I just I just care about getting a great match out of it. Yeah. I mean that's also hold that thought. Hold that thought. Let's go to break because it's gonna drop after an hour and we just start another one and then another segment, all right? Absolutely. All right, be right back. back for three minutes and 38 seconds and counting. <laughs> bathroom break. Hey, bathroom breaking. I, I was eating bagel bites during that last segment, so if I spoke with stuff in my mouth, that's my fault. Uh, I was, we, we heard it. Yeah, we heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally took the microphone off and tried cuffing it, but then I realized I was probably making it louder, so I was like, shout out to Bagel Bites, <laughs> the, ori- <laughs> the original uh, unofficial sponsor. <laughs> I'm going to count us off. Ready? Mm-hmm. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second segment of tonight's Wise Men Wrestling Podcast episode with Sean, Gerard, and Ray. Uh, we had just started the episode, our previous segment, with a game of factions, what worked, what didn't work, and uh, we'll continue on the conversation with uh, the wrestling community. So we'll go from um, any last words about Anderson Gallows resigning AJ Styles, the club coming back. I mean, outside of our hopes and wishes, no. <laughs> we'll, that was just one episode. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, I mean, I mean Japan, Japan was treated with Triple H being an honorary member of the club <laughs> while they were out there. <laughs> oh, God. I, think, I think for Anderson, it was one of those family paydays. Yeah. You know, absolutely. They've been off TV for a while. They've been doing the main events, but they've they get the time off with the families and uh, and his hot Asian wife, as he likes to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, good for him. Uh, you know, especially when you're trying to take care of your family in a business that uh, is got an expiration date on it at some point for s- some more than others. Right. But uh, as a family guy with a he he's got a newborn or infant child, correct? If I'm not right. mistaken. So I mean. He he probably needs some time, and uh, this this is the best deal that gets him some some healing time, so he doesn't they don't uh, continue to get injured, wrestling injured, and gets that quality time with the family. So if he did that yeah. for him, good. Yeah. I can't right. I can't hate that. He started getting those Finn Balor abs now. Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> considering what he had before, I was like, I'm gonna uh, we'll pay attention to his social media, see if he's putting any tips out there because. I could use at least one or two of those Finn Balor apps. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one or two. It's like they, they don't make fat-free fucking uh, bagel bites, man. <laughs> we got to do something. <laughs> so now we're going from the the incarnation of the club with WWE to the actual Bullet Club in Japan and how it's just... Um... The Bullet Club is dead. Wow. You guys are going to have to fill me in. So once upon a time, the Bullet Club thing was pretty great. <laughs> and then um, the elite left. 
And what we were left with is some of the original members and uh, a new leader in Jay White, which confused me from inception. That, that is kind of confusing for somebody that's seen him wrestle maybe once or twice. <laughs> um, it may I mean, I understand from, from my de definition of a successful faction is to get people over and to sell merchandise. It makes sense. But this guy. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I was on the Jay White train. I was on the Jay White train up until this move. And then okay. it kind of took me completely out of it for some reason. It made sense for, it made sense for me because you could tell even before he joined Billet Club, that New Japan saw something in Jay White on a bigger scale. Yeah. You know, they were going to stash a, um, you know, put a rocket to him, you know, and put him towards the top. So, you know, it just made sense, you know, from that standpoint. I think the, the major, how I say, hiccup in the plan was, Jay White is not that charismatic as people think he is. He's not. Um, and it and almost seems like he runs away from the opportunity to be as well. And when you know, you know, Tamatanga and Bad Luck for like they're charismatic in their own ways. When they're out charismaticing their own leader, that's you know that it's a recipe. It, it defeats the purpose. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of times where, you know, Jay White has been the focal point. And, you know, he's been handing that off. He's been handing the mic off. Or he's been, you know, taking the sideline to Tamatanga, who seems like he's the real leader of the, of, of the Bullet Club. But we already had this discussion about Tamatanga and him as a singles and how that just doesn't work. Correct. <laughs> um. Yeah, it just it 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 flopped, but and it's something that they're not necessarily going away from immediately. No, they're not even alluded to like any storyline. Like maybe you know, Tama Tama's tired of this guy because he is kind of lame, and you know, saying they want to build to something between him and Tama or something to that effect. But no, no, nothing. It's just yeah, we're One here. The big problems with Jay White become. Previous leaders were already big stars before they became the leader. Mm -hmm. They used the Bullet Club as leader of the Bullet Club to make him a bigger star. And that formula doesn't work. Right. And they just had no answer for the elite leaving at all. They just didn't. I mean, they replaced it. They replaced them with a bunch of guys we don't know. Yeah. At least from Americans. It's it's one of the rare times where New Japan Pro Wrestling was reactive versus proactive in their booking and their storytelling. Yeah, because you 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 allude to it a lot, especially both of you guys, when you're speaking about New Japan and their creative and how they're months in advance when it's stuff like that. So, uh, who knows if they even had the conversation with these guys that ended up leaving, like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. If those conversation was ongoing, and this was just a minor blip in the storytelling for them. It seems like the news always comes out whenever somebody leaves, somebody major leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling, that they're kind of shocked and amazed. And, you know what I'm saying? Like the road is kind of pulled out of, from under them whenever somebody leaves. 
So I'm not sure what's going on back there. And we're not, and we're, and unlike where WWE, we're not going to get any type of story because we know that they're going to be allowed to go back to New Japan and work some shows just like Moxley is doing because they have that freedom abroad to do that. So it's best not to, even if it was kind of bad, you don't want to squander any type of financial opportunities you have outside of the United States with AEW. I, I, will, I will hope that that's the case and that they are really working on something behind the scenes that's going to culminate sometime in the near or distant future. But, you know, well, the story is coming out. Wrestle Kingdom's, that, Wrestle Kingdom's right around the corner. <laughs> We'll see. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anything happening there with what they're putting into uh, to other people kind of coming in mm-hmm. to strengthen the brand. I don't I don't really see anything happening um, as far as that's concerned right now. Um, they were really hurt when the, the elite left. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, they 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 gave Kenny the keys. They let him do a lot of things that they didn't let they've never let, you know, outside to do. And, you know, for him to kind of essentially turn his back and, you know, saying go play with his other friends over here in AEW, like, you know, saying they didn't really hide the fact that they were hurt by that. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely hurt because it was for the first time that New Japan wasn't part of the plan. You know, remember, me- Kenny, the elite was leading everybody on up until January 1st. Yeah. And that's New Japan included. Mm-hmm. So New Japan had a whole bunch of plans and had to adjust those plans based on the decisions the elite made. Hmm. And you could you could say, you know, ROH had to do something similar in that regard. Interesting. Interesting. But we said it like uh, I know we were talking about it earlier. It's like, hey, you know, Ring of Honor screwed the pooch when it came to their the, their weekend with uh New Japan, maybe uh, the elite allowing them or playing off this storyline that they're shocked and hurt uh, allows them to have a big partnership with these guys going forward. Uh, if that's the long game rather than the short game is to play it this way for now. And then, you know, when you got when they circle back, when it makes sense to do so, you have the opportunity to bridge these two. <laughs> you, you you have a Voltron opportunity to combine all the lions together and make a super lion. Yeah, stare down the throat of uh, WWE. But you, you really you really do. But you know, ego's got to be put aside, and feelings got to be put aside, and business has to come into effect at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's money to be made, and if you do it right, man, the sky's the limit when it comes to something like that. I mean, we like we we as much as we chastised uh, Ring of Honor for what they did that weekend. And it's like mm-hmm. there's a golden opportunity to do something right. Uh, we've seen them do it already. AEW with uh, with AAA. We've seen them do it with uh, OWE. So it's like it just man, it's it's, it's right there. That's that's your that's your alley oop. It's like come on. Yes. <laughs> just as a note, mm-hmm. those tag team belts still haven't been defended. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're we're approaching on, yeah. This is three months, three months after the G one, and Tamatanga has not allowed those belts to be mentioned in the set. <laughs> Good for him. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And they're, um, probably, they're probably they're probably holding up somebody's coffee table. 
trying to make it, you but, know, so it doesn't get balanced. <laughs> but you would think they would just vacate the belts and then just have a tournament and be like, all right, fuck you guys. Well, do you want the heat that Tommy Tonga is going to bring? Tommy Tonga is going to bring on, on social media? They are yes, really- because they- you want any heat you can get. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> if you're ROH, uh, you want any heat you can get. What What did they do with the heat that came after after the, after the, G, the super card? They did nothing we, with it. But we had an episode of what what they were doing, failing, and if they were actually going to be off out, out of the scene eventually. So, well, like, well, since, since then they made headlines by bullying some kid backstage. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so oh, they're going. Go. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. shouts to Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens actually reached out to that kid and brought him and his friends over to a WWE match. Um, oh. um, WWE um, taping. So. Shouts to Kevin Owens. Oh, uh, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a cool dude. <laughs> I, I I still I still watch uh, the the highlight of his uh the Kevin Owens show though when he just he lit into Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> oh, he, 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 he destroyed that. That was heat. It was like whether that was him or those any type of improv. I loved it. It was fucking great. <laughs> he, I, didn't, he, he didn't do anything but say everything that we were we've been thinking. For like a last, since, like last couple years. since since they started announcing the crown jewel, we saw the return of Dolph Ziggler because we knew that AJ and anybody any other competition were not going to Saudi Arabia. Everybody else was going to. So insert, insert, yeah, yeah, insert, uh, insert uh, Dolph Ziggler in his uh, entitled rant like he did last year when he uh, vacated the the title and came back and all of a sudden wanted a title shot and yep. <laughs> That's what they want to use to bring Dom Ziggler back, but when Christian can't get into the Hall of Fame, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, a Bullet Club makes a little bit of uh, a little bit of news with Rob Eagles' um, storyline. He kind of left the Bullet Club for chaos. Um, and. That's probably like the small tack, the small dagger that kind of that, that kind of kills it, in my opinion. Okay. Um, we lost Sean. Yeah. I'm going on. Um, yep. Uh, Rob Eagles was a guy from U- from the UK that they brought in with a lot of promise. There was a lot of hype around him. Um, they brought him into New Japan and they put him with the with the Bullet Club in like less than three months. I want to say he's he's gone. <laughs> oh wow, he's done with that. Well, I mean, do you want to have somebody if you're going to introduce somebody like Jay White into the faction, and then you're going to bring this guy? It would probably make creative sense to make him go elsewhere rather than stay in it. If the object is to get enough, you know, to put White over even more with the crowds yeah. and what I mean, the, the faction is. If the, if the idea of a faction wants to get us to sell merch and to put guys over, you know, saying Robbie Eagles wasn't a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, especially they bring somebody with promise rather than they have somebody who's super young, a, a superstar in some eyes. Mm-hmm. You put you put him on in in this club. It's like, yeah, it, he's just gonna get. He's they took a cue from WWE and they're not gonna let one of their promising stars. Fall under the wayside. We'll just make some creative adjustments and go from there. 
So if you want to, if you if you want to memorialize, because we really think that the Bullet Club is pretty much over. Um, if you do want to memorialize the Bullet Club, and you're in the Chicago area, you owe it to yourself to go to Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh yes, um, on the north side. They're um, located. They're located right uh, south on Damon, right of by Damon and Fullerton. Uh, great spot. We've seen we've seen lines when they have their their meet and greets with a lot of the uh, pro wrestlers, both retired and currently active. But uh, it's a great Chicago spot. It's an institution now. If you, if you um, benefit from being in the Chicago area and you want to order anything that they sell, um, they will print those T-shirts on the spot for you. That you won't have to pay any shipping costs or anything. And while you're waiting on your shirt, they'll walk you to a waiting area that they have on the other side. Um, and the waiting area has this quilt that's about as big as a wall of all the Bullet Club shirts that they ever made, ever. <laughs> And it's a cool. I think I, I got pictures of it. And I think I Snapchatted it when I was there, um, the last time I was there. And it's it's something that you have to see if you ever been a Bullet Club fan. You're in the Chicago area. It's something that you have to see. I would ask if to, to just show up and just ask to see the quote. I'm pretty sure they'll be more than willing to show it to you. Yeah, you so know what? Ahead. We we might as well do that for our our Instagram followers at Wow Wiseman Wrestling Podcast and on our Twitter handle at uh, We Are the Wiseman. We might as well go and. Uh, Make a visit to Pro Wrestling Tees. Go ahead. Yeah, and, uh, good idea to introduce ourselves. <laughs> Take a picture in front of the quote. Go ahead and uh, give them our logo so they can start putting out the Wiseman Wrestling T-shirts that we uh, <laughs> we need to put in the, to the uh, universe out there. Once, once upon a guy, once upon a time, a guy named Cole Cabana walks into One Hour Tees and says, "Hey, I got a whole bunch of Japan wrestlers and friends of mine who could really use some merchandise." And the bulk of those people ended up being part of the Bullet Club and contributed to much success to to pro wrestling teams. And we're still proud of them, mm-hmm. paying over $5 million in royalties to different independent wrestlers around the world. The bulk of them being in Japan and the majority of them being part of the Bullet Club. One, um, hour, one hour tees used to make my softball team t-shirts. That's how I, that's they used to have a tiny spot over, on, uh, you know, uh, closer to the location that they're at now. But. Uh, they've been they've been around a while, and kudos to them for helping out the independent circuit. People that are not uh, on the mainstream, you know, that getting them their their money, getting them their dues. And I would also um, like to mention as well that on YouTube, if you search the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Kelly um, does the does the voiceover. He does an excellent job in these history of. Um, different things it, um, that are new Japan. Um, I think it's worth checking out if you know if you want to know more about the Bullet Club and you want to know about chaos and all the other factions in New Japan Pro Wrestling and the history. Um, I, I suggest taking those videos out. They're actually pretty well done, very informative, and very entertaining. It feels like a personal shot, so I'll take that and put that as my homework for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> For 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 me and the the uh, hundreds and thousands of uh, casual fans that listen to this podcast, <laughs> well, we got we got our homework, people. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the successful part of of the the Bullet Club, the last the last successful of the Bullet Club, the Elite, and what's been going on with them. Okay. Um, if we're killing off, uh, if we're killing off uh, factions that were definitely um, saying goodbye to the elite as 
as we knew them. And I believe their last hurrah was going to be in Mexico on all these third for Triple Mania. Oh. They, oh are nice. up, they are lined up for an excellent rematch that we saw at the um at Fighter Fest. Okay. Oh, with, uh, okay. That's that's gonna be good. Yeah, so it's that's- it's gonna be the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are going against um the same team of the Lucha Brothers and um Laredo Laredo kid. Kid. Yeah, yeah, Laredo kid. and they're doing That's... it in Mexico. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> see, I see. Be... Go ahead. And I, I just, I was just gonna say, that I think that's gonna be a great match. And also mention that Kenny's never wrestled in Mexico before. No nah, man. Wow, that's that's insane to me. <laughs> I think they had to do more to his New Japan contract than anything else because he really didn't venture. Out. He did, he he didn't when he was in New Japan. But I thought the bulk of those guys go on excursion in Mexico. Who? The bulk of those New Japan guys actually go excursion in Mexico. Yeah, that's what I said. I think there was something maybe with Kenny's particular contract or something. I don't know. It, it just seems weird that he just never went. That's probably that's that, when you allude to. Uh, Kenny Omega getting the keys from New Japan. That was probably one of the precursors. Like, all right, we'll give you the keys, but you can't do this. It was probably a trade-off. One consumer. I'll be interested to hear more about that because usually that's 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 like Young Ryan one-on-one. You're among Young Ryan. You train in the dojo. You go on excursion. You know, saying so you pick a style. You come back with a new character, and they put you, and, they, and if you're good, they put you on. And considering like re- Kenny's wrestling style. That's it's still like odd. I mean, I know he was great coming into new new um, New Japan, but he didn't come into New Japan as the man, you know. Mm-hmm. He had to pay some dues, so that's interesting how that's just never happened, you know. Right. Even even outside of that, you know, what I'm saying how he's wrestling, who he's wrestling, how he's wrestled before, like that's just it's crazy. Odd. <laughs> yeah. So I hope I hope Mexico enjoys it because that's going to be a real show. And that that card is actually super. That card itself is actually super stacked as well. Now, I consider the elite kind of like, and I know they came from the Bullet Club, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But I consider them this generation's more DX than Bullet Club. I mean, than um, like NWO or whatever that may be. And yeah. and that's why I feel like I don't feel they're breaking up more that they have evolved apart. Is kind of maybe what I would say. You know, yeah. kind of like how DX did. And I definitely see them doing reunions, matches here or there, you know, in the future, you know, and, and they can just bring that, pull that back together whenever they want to kind of thing. And I think that's going to be more on the fans, too, because it's the fans that are going to be cheap chanting the elite more that they're going to be pushing that on us. Which yeah. I, which is pretty cool. Especially if, like, Kenny gets himself in a jam, you know, I'm saying something to that effect against another group of people. That's the first thing they're going to chant. Yep. So I mean that that's what kind of I see. I don't see Ali being dead, more or less just kind of like they've grown up and now they've, you know, graduated to college kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> summer summer we, the, we don't have the same classes anymore, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so on, on that super stack card that you had mentioned, uh we're seeing the in ring debut of Cain Velasquez. Yes. 
who was the UFC uh, champion. Most recent, yeah. He was the man. He was the man that put Brock back in the WWE prematurely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I I always tell that story about uh, I went with my cousin to see that fight, and we were surrounded in the sea of. Uh, Caucasian men in tap out t-shirts, uh, affliction t-shirts, uh, bedazzled and all, getting ready for Brockamania, and only to find out that Kane whips his ass. <laughs> that night, the two Puerto Ricans in the room became Mexican just out of spite. <laughs> we 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 put our we put our differences to the side and cheered for the common good. So. <laughs> Oh man, that was good stuff. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see how he uh what he's learned because we know that he was one he was rehabbing, two he was training at the WWE Performance Center, and he wanted to uh, start his career with AAA. So it'd be interesting to see how far, how long he's uh, progressed, how far along he's come across. Because hey man, if somebody else is watching, we'll see if he if he ends up being as good as a. Uh, a professional wrestler as he was uh, in the the UFC, it'll be uh, fun to see him tussle with some some of the bigger guys. Well, yeah, he's a... technical difficulties. Yeah, I mean he's a big dude. I mean he's been doing it, so I mean, and he's been training for a good long while. So hopefully, you know, he's ready for, you know. I mean, spotlights no don't think for him, but definitely Absolutely this will not. be a new test, a new challenge for him. So and I think I think it was actually smart for him to go to AAA rather than go somewhere like NXT or something like that. Even if they had, you know, offered him a contract like that, doing it in the comfort of his backyard, you know, there's not a lot of pressure, but there's a lot of support. Oh, to see him going forward. Oh, NXT for sure off to have a contract. He actually started he started working out at the uh, performance center in Florida. Yeah, we, right. we we just mentioned that and uh that he was rehabbing and working out. So uh but you know the the pressure that didn't you know, we've seen it happen with uh the the rapid call ups and then they, they're right back on NXT or they're lost in the sauce doing main event shows, probably mm-hmm. right now. But uh you know, doing it with triple A, it's like in the comfort more comfort zone for him, you know, less pressure, but much more support, uh, especially going into this new era of his career. Because uh, I don't think he's going to go back to the uh, the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's Absolutely. that's that's Absolutely. it for him. Yeah, he's done, uh, and it's probably better for him because we don't want to. I don't want to see somebody like Cain Velasquez end up getting the uh, BJ Penn treatment. Or, he's, <laughs> or you know, these guys like uh, fighting for Bellator. Even you know, I, and it's no disrespect to the guys fighting in Bellator because there's some older fighters that can still kind of throw hands. But yeah. uh, B, BJ Penn should have retired a long fucking time ago. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like I I hate to see especially guys like that. I mean, we know that wrestling has its bumps and bruises. We know that it has its serious injuries too. But something about knocked across the fucking ring, you know, to a bloody mess, is uh, lends itself to a, a shorter lifespan, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I when it comes to you know, UFC or all combat sports, 
I, I don't want to see people kill themselves in the rain, man. You know, yeah, just go just fight for, forever. And we like Chuck Liddell. Yes. You know. Yeah. Chuck Liddell. Uh, you've seen it with uh, Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans just recently finally retired after I'm um, getting waxed by basically up and coming, you know, guys that we've never even heard of um, mm-hmm. just fighting way past his prime. And it's a shame because you, when they're, when they're, when they're doing good, it's the same thing like with any sport, you know, when they're, we're kicking ass, you know, we're the big fans. And then when we start to see father time kick in, it's a, uh, it's bittersweet to see some of your, your heroes, some of the people that you grew up rooting for just kind of fading into the background. But uh, he's, uh, luckily, luckily for Rashad, he's going to land on his feet with uh, he's got the um, he's got some commentating gig, if I'm not mistaken, with the UFC. So uh, he, he'll be he'll be fine. But uh, Kane, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what his uh, his ring debut, how it goes and what the future holds for him. A good, solid dude, hell of a champion. And we'll see how that goes going forward. Congratulations to anybody who's going to be able to check out this Triple Mania um, card because it's it's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through it, but I'm looking at a seven woman tables, ladders, and chairs match that includes Tessa Blanchard and Taya. Ooh. Oh hey, well, I mean, oh shit! I was like, when is it? August what? <laughs> August third. That's the night of my bachelor party. We might as well just go to Mexico for a day. <laughs> let's just let's just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tell the best man we're going to see wrestling in mexico we can we can continue the festivities that day and come back sunday night we'll be fine yeah let's make it happen uh the wise men uh the wise men wrestling bachelor party in mexico for yes. triple mania <laughs> My wife just looked at me like with a crazy face. So <laughs> you probably, you guys are probably gonna have to go without me. Just, you know, just put it on a record it for me. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on, moving on before I start getting myself into more trouble over here. We covered a lot of points in terms of how factions are dead. Yeah. Um, but with the exception of one thing, why is New Day not a faction? Uh, because it kind of it's the anti. When you think of a faction, I, I do you. When I think of a faction, I'm thinking of badass heels. I don't think of them as baby faces. I've never thought no. till this point, till this conversation, I never thought the Shield was a faction. I thought it was more no, of the, a team. Go ahead. The, the 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 Shield is a faction because they had there were three different men with separate agendas, you know, but came together as a group. New Day is simply a team, kind of like the Freebirds were a team. All they ever chased was the tag team titles for the longest of time, up until recently. And I can't consider them anything but a team to this point, or a duo, maybe a trio, for that very reason. They never had in the you know the agenda of positivity that went out the window very quickly, and then he just became a tag team, you know. And for the longest of time, Xavier didn't wrestle, you know, for whatever reason because they were focusing on the tag team belts. I just don't I don't consider them a faction at all because they don't. They seem to be just three guys who kick it at this point, <laughs> and then, and then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But 
with you secretly wishing that they would break up <laughs> straight up i mean because it would because i i still feel to this to this day i mean even to this day, to this day <laughs> that their state their story's gone stale a long time ago you know kofi winning the title has extended some life to it you know but i just I, I no, I I really don't have, you know, I don't I don't see the new day as a team's purpose past Kofi, you know, being Kofi's backup at this point. Okay, you know, so then, and their greatest rivalry is with another tag team, which is the Usos. Most yeah. factions have their key rivalry is with another faction. Right. You would cons- you would consider the Usos a faction? No, I'm just saying they. That's why I, it only. That's a little face. My point that their greatest, you know, rivalry as the New Day is with a tag team in the new uh, in the Usos. Uh, you know, at least the Shield. You know, they had key rivalries with the Wyatt family. Key, you know, rivalries with um, Evolution and whatever corporate entity. You know. You know what it was Seth Rollins when he was the championship. You know had the championship and Kane and all of them were around. Okay, yeah, that makes. Sense. But yeah, I don't consider New Day a faction at all, unless they yeah. added a member or subtracted a member. <laughs> well, we we did see that briefly with Kevin Owens, <laughs> <laughs> and that went horribly wrong. But Kevin Owens. Is- Kevin Owens is his own faction. As we've seen that. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need anybody. Uh, do you want to talk about Ring of Honor? Look. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, we kind of already talked about the undisputed. They kind of need a faction in order for them to be remembered. Otherwise, it all be an NXT thing. Um, anybody want to try to take take a stab of greatest of all time or top three? Horseman. I'll throw the NWO in there. And it's a tight race, but I'm going to put DX over Bullet Club. Okay. Okay. I, I never saw the Horseman, so I'd probably do like... Best intro music ever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if I if if I would have to do it, I'd probably do just like NWO, DX, and since I'm starting, you know, like going back with the homework and everything. <laughs> but I've seen I've seen you know enough to go ahead and do it. But I would say the Bullet Club is a close third. Okay, that puts the pressure on me. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Um, I can't deny what the what the what the NWO did to to you know my teenage life. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that has to be that has to be in there. Um, I'd be remiss with all the Bullet Club shirts that I actually own not to put them in there um, because also begin for me by definition putting guys over some of the merchandise. Um, they definitely did that, and they actually, you know, said rather my interest into these other promotions, especially when AJ got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have to pick a third, 
for me, it's going to be a toss-up between um, DX and Evolution. Okay. Um, once again, DX kind of pulls more to my teenage side and telling people to suck it and all this other stuff. The, um, it was the Rage Against the Machine that hooked me in because I was a fan of them at the same time that DX came out because I had yeah. seen Wu-Tang and Rage Against the Machine going back and forth. And that was that was the shit freshman year. <laughs> yeah. So so DX for me on that side, but then also for um, evolution, they gave us they gave us the greatest art incarnation of Mark Batista. Like Okay. This is what I'll I'll ask to you, Rod. Uh-huh. Is evolution not just another form of the horseman, but they couldn't legally call them the horseman at the time? I'm 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 almost hundred percent sure of it. Okay. I think that's the only thing that Rick Flair knows how to do. Because <laughs> that's another thing too. Rick Flair and you know the visuals that he gives you of what success is supposed to be like. Like you always want that, and he brought that to Evolution as well as every other incarnation of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> There ever was, so yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that that's just the, the evolution of the four horsemen. Okay, I'm gonna slip in an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. The main main event mafia, just because of the lineup that it had. I don't care whatever they did <laughs> after <laughs> they formed it, <laughs> <laughs> but you had you had Booker T, Samoa Joe, Steen. Kevin Nash, AJ Styles, and I can't remember the other cat. They had the squad it all in one stable. You will never see a stable like that again where it's like all the top guys in one stable. Well, well, we'll see. Fox is looming around the corner. We might see something. <laughs> but, yeah. And there you have it. There you go. A game of factions. <laughs> yes. No one sits on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, <clears throat> this is good. This is good. This is uh, this is the trial run for us. As we said, we are uh, excited to announce that we are partnered with Anchor, and that's the podcasting ho- the host. So. Uh, with them, you're able to find us on every single spot, uh, every everything. single, everything now. Uh, I've, everywhere. I've, I've, I've had a couple of people send me screenshots of where they're listening to the Wiseman podcast uh, from, and it's, it's different things, different, different apps that they're using, so we're everywhere. You can yeah. find us now. Yeah, it's exciting. We're, we're exciting because uh, once we uh, start getting uh, rolling with Anchor, we'll, you'll start to see the sponsorships coming with, with Anchor FM. Uh, it's just uh, it's cool because as we we see, you know, without growth, we want to see the evolution of this podcast continue on, and uh, it's fun seeing it grow from its infancy when we started with Audio Mac, but now we have a <laughs> we have a new partner. Yes, yes, but, we do. But a social media partnerships stay the same. You can find us at Wise Men Wrestling Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at We Are the Wise Men, and we'll be uh, 
we'll be tweeting soon with all the events that are coming up in uh, July. Uh, are we in July? I can't remember. Yes, we are in July. I've lost my mind because I'm getting married next month. I see. It never calendar. comes back. I'm just letting you know. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks for the heads up. That's <laughs> that's right. the that's that's the the payback for the advice I gave you about dating Latina. And there you go. You and here you are, married, happily <laughs> yes. married. Yes. <laughs> just just so when she's listening to the podcast, happily married. There happily. you go. <laughs> Have, what was it? Happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> But again, it's been a pleasure recording with you, gentlemen. This is a new, uh, new wrinkle in it, but this is pretty fun uh, recording from the comfort of our own private studios. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, we'll do this again soon. And uh, thank you for listening to everyone. And again, we'll start sending out the links uh, from uh, from our collective social media. So go ahead and promote the uh, promote the brand. It's not a podcast anymore. It's a brand. Sorry. Stop one moment. Because an announcement just came over to air. TNA will hold their Bound for Glory pay-per-view in Chicago in October. Wow. Just so you know. Wow. So. And no, no, no. <laughs> and they didn't say. Where? And they didn't say. Not Rosemont. United Center. Get the fuck out of here. Really? Da, da, da. Hold on. Let me. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> it's definitely in Chicago. Damn it. But yeah, is August, it, it, October 20th in Chicago. Damn it. Well, get it. So it's, I, would, I would guess more UIC Pavilion, but yeah, we'll see. It's not going to be United Center. There's no way. If it is, but, we have an in. <laughs> just gonna let you know right now we're gonna we're gonna get press passes like legitimate press passes where we can oh. sit in the in a press level sitting there where they watch michael jordan destroy everybody from you know 90 to 2000 so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay if it's okay. Center, we'll be we'll be we'll be set we'll be live we'll be live we got i got the wi-fi password for the United Center. <laughs> we'll be good <laughs> It pays. Listen, kids, if you're listening, it pays not to burn any bridges. I'm gonna tell you that no, right now. No. <laughs> cultivate, cultivate, and keep your relationships fresh and in good condition, and you'll 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 see it. But thank you again for listening. We got all the things you learn from the wise men. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not just a we're not just a podcast. We're a brand. We're giving it to you. We're giving it to you every direction. And wait till you see what we have in store for our next episode. Which is oh, going to be man. fantastic. It's the 50th, we're, we're getting close to that magical number that we're going to c- continue to look back on uh, years from now and just crack up. Like, wow, remember we used to do this in, in your uh, garden apartment? Nope. <laughs> it's hard to see from this, uh, this penthouse that we got now. Yeah, yeah. Wait till we start uh, broadcasting these throwback episodes from, from, our, from our throne atop. <laughs> <laughs> but gentlemen, it was nice. It was a nice time. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up here, and then uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Next week. <laughs>